Thank you, Carla, for sharing that with us. That was that's enjoyable. That was supposed to be last night, but that's how we're doing it today. All right. Uh, we're just going to have a lot of scripture passages today. If you would, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. That's where we're going to uh, really focus on today. Ephesians chapter 3. How do you come up with a different idea, a different way to explain and try to grasp how awesome this day is? You know what I mean? Uh, how, do you, how do you even begin to comprehend what this means on Christmas morning? I, as a pastor, I, you know, as, as you know, I've been a pastor for 30, 36, going on 37 years. And that means this is be my 37th uh, Christmas sermon, either by Christmas Eve or Christmas Sunday morning. And you, you start to wrestle a little bit. How can I get it across to the congregation just how awesome this day really is? It, 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 is, it is hard to, to comprehend it. And so you have your Christmas Eve services, you light the candles, or you, uh, you, you have different types of sermons trying to get across what, what, what this day means. Uh, and so... Every year, I try to come up with a different idea. How can I do my best to understand what happened 2,000 years ago? I mean, this day means a lot to different people. To the merchants, it's a, it, it's a time when they actually make a profit. From what I understand is uh, they either are breaking even or they're uh, losing a little money throughout the year. But it's from Black Friday on, they actually make their money. For, for the children, they, they look forward to going downtown, maybe downtown Salina to that little hut that's there and seeing that man in the red suit sitting there. And uh, maybe that's what it is. Or for the parents, it's <clears throat> working hard trying to find that special gift uh, and to watch the faces of children on, on Christmas morning as they walk down the stairs or open up their doors and they see all of the, the presents around the tree. For grandparents, it's that looking forward to seeing all of the family get together. And, and I, I have to add a little bit, I did not understand how valuable that was to my parents until I'm, I am now a grandparent. For the church, it's, it's meals, it's pageants, it's snow, it's cold, it's uh, furnaces that aren't working, it's... Uh, 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 you name it. It's a very, very busy time going through Menden, uh, Christmas caroling in Menden, donating food and, uh, and possibly even donating presents. But what does it really mean? Christmas has changed from generation to generation. Different meanings and different Traditions. It is understood that it was December 25th, uh, 336 A.D. is when Constantine made uh, this day the day of remembrance of the birth of Jesus. And, and true, and there's people who argue it, they say, well, this isn't their day. Right, it's not. 
The Bible says is that the shepherds were in within the fields with their sheep, and that's the spring of the year. So it wasn't this time of year. So no need to argue about that. This is just the day that we we've picked, the church has picked, and it's not even the church united. I mean, you got the Eastern Orthodox who say that uh, January 6th is actually the day. But how do we grasp what this day actually means? I, I, I listened to a lot of Christmas sermons this past week, just trying to grasp it. And I was listening to one from Francis Chan, and he made a comment, and I'm going, you're so right. He says, you know, many of us have lost loved ones this year, and, and, and he says, you know, many of us say, oh, Dad's in heaven looking down on us right now, and, and he's, he's watching us. And Francis Chan goes, are you kidding me? You know how Francis Chan is. Are you kidding me? I mean, here you are watching television. Darwin's watching television. Isn't that cool? When you're in the presence of Almighty God. Do you think he really cares or really wants to see what we're watching on television? Or does he want to see who God is or be in the presence of Almighty God? And I, I said, that's quite a, quite a statement there. And it caused me to start to think on, how can I get across what this day is? And I thought, you know what, let me just focus on what the scriptures say. Let me just show you what the scriptures say. And hopefully then you can understand it. The Bible states in Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verse 16. I'm going to read it up here because my print here is too small. It says, I pray out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being <clears throat> so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in, in love, may have power together with the Lord's holy people. What is he praying? That you grasp, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses all knowledge. You got that? He's saying, I pray that somehow you can understand how high, deep, wide, and depth of God's love for you actually is. Because we as humans aren't going to understand it because it surpasses all of our knowledge. And he says that you may be filled with the measure and the fullness of God. So I thought, you know what, let me just explain who Jesus is. Let's explain who Jesus is. And let's go throughout the scriptures and, and let me try to grasp, help you to grasp this. So, so when we first see Jesus, it is in the first sentence found in scriptures. It says, in the beginning, God. Everything starts with him. <clears throat> Everything starts with God. And so what is, what is God um, what is God experiencing? Well, go to Isaiah chapter 6. And, and it gives a pretty good idea of what Jesus, being the second part of the Trinity, being deity, being with God and was God and with God in the beginning what he was experiencing. And it says, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on the throne, 
and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphs, okay, angels, okay? Each had six wings, and two were flying. They covered their faces, and two they covered their feet, and the two they were flying, and they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. <clears throat> the whole earth is filled with his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. So here you have God, okay, with the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Here you have God on the throne, and all of heaven is focused on him. All of heaven is giving him praise. You have angels, the big old seraphs and the cherubim and the seraphim are surrounding the throne, and they are protecting the throne, <coughs> protecting the, the holiness of the throne, and they are proclaiming God's power, God's glory, and how great God actually is. In Ezekiel chapter 1, it reemphasizes that, and it, it talks again about these creatures, uh, and I invite you to read it on your own, but I, what I really want to point out is verse 28, it says, and the appearance, let me get this, and I saw what looked like fire, and the bright light surrounded him, meaning God, and the appearance of the bright light around him was that of the rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And then I saw it, and I fell down on my face, and I heard the, a voice speaking. So here you have a picture of heaven, okay? And how the glory of God is in heaven. And all that are around him are praising him. And when man comes into his presence, as in Isaiah and Ezekiel, we fall on our faces or we realize just how insignificant we really are. And that is who God is. He is greater than anything that we can ever imagine. He is in a perfect place. All of creation is praising him. And that's Jesus as well. Got that? All right, now let's go further. So that's what Jesus was experiencing before he came to earth. Now it says... In, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. <clears throat> in Genesis chapter 2, verse 26, it says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. The word us is the plurality of God, and that is the Trinity that we're seeing there. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So Jesus was with God in the beginning. He was enjoying the praise that was being given to him. And then the Bible says he was involved in creation. <clears throat> so Jesus comes and he creates, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 26, 2 verse 26, let us make mankind in our image. And in John 1, 3 it says, all things came into being through him. Apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So it says that Jesus was involved in creation. So what we experienced with the nice little whiteouts and, and, and the nature this past week, Jesus uh, created all that we have. 
when you go on a trip and you see the Grand Canyon, you see the Pacific Coast, you see the Atlantic Coast, you see all of God's creation. Jesus was involved in that creation. When you hold this new baby in your hand, and I think there's nothing more precious than a new baby that you're holding in your hand, and God was involved in the creation of children as well. The Bible even says that he knew you when you were in your mother's womb. The Bible says that he created you in your mother's womb. So each and every one of you are special and unique. And God was involved in your creation. So then we go further and it says for Colossians 1.16, For by him all things were created both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominion, rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So we see what Jesus was existing before creation, as we understand it. All, all the angels were praising him and proclaiming his glory. Now we see he was involved with creation, and he created all that we have. And the, the only problem with our earth is we, of course, destroyed it, uh, caused problems. We'll talk about that some other time. But here we have Jesus being involved with this. So you see, God created everything. He created you. He created me. He created the Grand Canyon. He created the mighty blue whale. I, that's one thing I want to see before I die is the mighty blue whale, the biggest animal that we have today. I want to see that. So the mighty blue whale, the mighty Tyrannosaurus Rex, the Triceratops, the, the amoebas, all that, God created that. And Jesus created that because he was part of God. Then the Bible states, let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. If you have your Bibles, you want to circle that word, he emptied himself. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in likeness of man, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So here you have God, who created everything, emptied himself, which actually means he took off his deity, he unclothed himself, laid it aside, and was born of a woman. You got that? Can you, can you grasp what I'm trying to get across? how awesome God is, how awesome Jesus is, and he willingly was born of a woman, humbled himself, and was formed in a woman, and was birthed through a woman. God becoming out naked. God now has to be dependent upon a woman. He has, you know, he has to be fed, has to be clothed, has to be all this, has to go through all that we went through as human beings. <clears throat> the Bible says that Jesus was involved with that. Do you see what I'm trying to get across? Mighty God emptied himself, became a baby, and allowed himself to be subject to humanity. Because here you have this child that grew up with parents, and we got. This child that 
had to be fed by parents. Even though Jesus created all this, he was still subject to it. And we now we have this, this, um, this Jesus who eventually was crucified on the cross with the very tree he created. Was tormented by those that he created. By those he gave the knowledge how to make the nails. And had to hold off the legions of angels that were coming to rescue him. Had to hold them off so that he would go onto the cross. And he became a baby. Dependent upon humans. He went from praise and perfection. The king of kings and the lord of lords. Millions upon millions of angels. Doing his will and praising him. And became a naked baby dependent upon a woman. Just so his human body could be kept alive. And I find it very interesting that the very first ones that worshipped him were not the kings, were not the nobles, were not the priests, were not the elites. But they were the lowest of society. The shepherds. They came and paid homage. See, the shepherds were not looked upon at that time as, as highly as they used to be. Because you know King David was a shepherd. But somehow they had gained the reputation of being lazy, uneducated, and you don't want to be, grow up to be a shepherd. And yet those were the first that came in. Those were the first that the news of the coming of the Messiah went to, and they went to the stable, which was probably a cave, to where Jesus was, which was probably a hewn-out rock, and they saw, they were the first to see, besides Mary and Joseph and the animals, the Messiah. And they went, and they spread the news about what had been told them. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because God became man. We are going and we recognize what he has done for us. That we were destined to eternity without God. Now we are eternity with God and with Jesus. That every knee should bow and will bow and every tongue will confess. Even those who refuse to acknowledge God and acknowledge Christ will someday bow down to him. And I'm not saying that they've earned salvation. They have not. Or they have salvation. They have not. 
but I believe that they will fall on their knees in begging for God to forgive them at that point. The key is, the word here is, they will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And what that word basically means is, he is in charge, I will follow him, he is the God of my life, and the God of my life is not me, not anyone else, it is him. And we follow him because he is God. Someday we will see him face to face. <clears throat> and I think then we might truly understand the immense sacrifice and what Christmas really means. So we get glimpses of that throughout the year where we come together on a weekly basis and we worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we also get glimpses of him throughout the year when we come together and we take communion. Because communion is recognizing the body and the blood of Christ. It's recognizing the humanity and it's recognizing the, the, the sacrifice that Jesus gave for you. That God became man and spent time with us. And so we take communion here at the church on a regular basis so that we truly understand and truly see and truly are reminded of that God became man and what his sacrifice has become. So here we have Jesus, 33 and a half years later, is meeting with his disciples. He is about to be uh, arrested by the people that he created. He is about to be carried away by the people he created. He is about to be tried and lied about by the people he created. And he is about to lay on a cross by the tree that he created. And his nails are going to go into his hands from the people who gave knowledge on how to make the nails. And he's going to be lifted up for the whole world to see. He came in the world naked and he died naked. By the way, no, what you see in the pictures is not the way it was. They were stripped. And so the whole world saw the nakedness of God, of Jesus. You know, if we stopped right there, that'd be pretty depressing. Three days later, the angels came again the ones that gave him praise in heaven before the creation of the world, came and rolled the stone away. And this Jesus came out of the tomb and arose again, King of kings and Lord of lords. Today we're going to take communion. And we're going to do something kind of different. We were going to do this last night, but of course the weather didn't allow it. But what we're going to do is we're now going to have the Christmas Eve service and we're going to light the candles. And so what we want you to do is feel free to take communion. If you don't, don't worry about it. Just go line up. But we're going to make a circle around the, uh, around the rock. And after you take communion, take communion and go and we're going to make a circle. And then we're going to have silent night, holy night, 
and we're going to be lighting the, the Advent or the, the Christmas candles that we were going to do last night. And we're going to make the rock dim so we can see the light. See, we have the message of the Christ child. And light destroys darkness. And that's our job as a church, to destroy the darkness that has permeated the world 